0: On TV, online, and on your smartphone. This is Ticker News. It has been a frightening year to run a startup. Rising interest rates have taken cheap money out of the market, and startups have borne the brunt. But are things about to turn around on Aaron Young? We're going to find out. Now, from our headquarters at Ticker Park, this is Ticker Today. Hello, welcome with all of the buzz around AI at the moment and also tech. You might think that there's a lot of interest in venture capital. The past financial year, though, has seen a bloodbath for many startups. It's been a really difficult time trying to raise money because money has not been cheap. VC funding this year in Australia has been at its lowest level since 2019. That trend mirrored in the United States as well. Funding this year has been about half of what it was in 2021. As you can see from this graph on screen at the moment, it's a similar story in Israel and also for so many companies right around the world. To find out what is behind this and what this means, let's bring in Steve Marbani from Venture Crowd. We know that this has been really difficult for a lot of startup founders. Can you talk to us what's been happening?
1: Yeah, um, I think um, the last 12 months have been the most challenging um, funding year for startups in a very, very long time. It's not unusual for Um, private capital to pull out of the venture capital and high-risk sectors when there is an economic shock of some kind. And that economic shock really started in May of last year when discussions around inflationary pressure all over the world became sort of headline stuff. And as a result of that, central banks all over the world, including ours, began to change their tune on interest rates um, and with a forecast of rising interest rates month on month on month, that puts pressure on economic growth and um, obviously makes it more difficult for um, startups to do what they need to do in a sort of a difficult economic environment. And when things like that happen, when there's no line of sight of when economies are going to come out of that stagnation period, um, and particularly when you've got Reserve Bank governors talking about things like possible recession, everybody gets very, very nervous and the capital dries up and that's what we've seen Um, but what what doesn't stop is the important commercialization work of you know hundreds and thousands of um, companies around the world that are working on some really important um, innovation challenges so that continues and that continues to require funding but it's just not there and hasn't been there for the last 12 months.
0: Yeah, very much so, and some great work as you mentioned. We'll talk about that in a moment. We remember the tech bubble that happened back in the early thousands. Do you think that that's what happened again? We saw such massive valuations for companies out of Silicon Valley that didn't have the revenue to back up uh, what they were saying they were worth. We were seeing sales at forty times revenue, and that's if they had some. Um, what's your view on that? Was it a great reset? I think
1: it's. Um, I think it's obviously uh, a reset was needed. Um, I I think that that reset has been helpful, but um, the the drama with which the reset has taken place, I think has caught a lot of people by surprise. Um, The fundamentals of many key growth technology sectors um, remain very, very strong. Um, There remain very talented uh, teams in those sectors that are doing important work with um, long-term growth capability. Um, And it's always uh, concerning when all of the private capital markets get turned off at the same time. And I think the biggest biggest issue that this highlights is the fact that the connection between um, the true volume of private capital um, and the demand for it is just simply not there. And I think that is really the challenge that the private capital markets are going to have to deal with um, in the next sort of 12 to 24 months. Otherwise, you find yourself in a position where um, some of the most important potential innovations that are bubbling around at the moment um, could just simply die on the vine. And that's not a good result.
0: Yeah, very much so. Um, we talk about some of the sectors that are long-term performers. So obviously tech, then there's healthcare and also people involved in climate action, uh, building, um, the things that are required for renewables. Are they doing well because of the private sector or are they doing well because governments are essentially funding them?
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good question. So last year, where the biggest, uh, where the greatest volume of capital was deployed was in, as you said, fintech, financial services technology, climate tech, um, and health tech. And I think if you look at those um, three sectors, it, it's probably pretty clear why they're driving so much interest from investors, even in an environment where people have been cautious about um, investing into high risk, high return stuff. Each of those sectors speaks to a particularly heightened level of consumer and community anxiety right now, from financial services technology, rising interest rates, inflation, cost of living pressures. Anybody who's um, working in the financial services technology space, looking at solutions that address some of those issues is obviously um, uh, in demand and, uh, you know, and, and, and required by the market right now. So it's not surprising that that should continue to be a focus On the health tech space, we've not just come out of a global pandemic. We've really come out of, you know, over two decades' worth of um, inefficiencies in the healthcare sector, and there are still so many core issues that are important to consumers that need to be addressed, whether it's in aged care, whether it's in food technology, the way agriculture is delivered, all that stuff, right? And, And consumers today off the back of the pandemic are more conscious of that than ever before. And so it's not a surprise that health tech is attracting a lot of that capital. And then in Mm. climate tech, again, you know, we've never been, there hasn't been a time in history where the world has been more aligned on the challenges of climate and therefore companies that are working on things like regenerative agriculture and things that um, remove emissions from production processes, whether it's concrete or whether it's protein, recycling, upcycling, that whole um, spectrum of investment um, is still very much in favour because they solve a problem that the globe needs to solve so demand for it is huge and that's why it's attracting i think um, the lion's share of vc funding in even a very difficult market
0: Now, you may have seen the comments from the chair of Tesla, who was referring to the Australian economy and saying the future of the Australian economy will be based on tech, which is pretty cool hearing from Tesla. It'd be nice if they built a gigafactory in Australia, of course. (laughs) But this is the country that has famously been born off the sheep's back. To shift towards tech is a big thing. What makes Australia so good when it comes to technology, do you think?
1: Yeah, well, I think different different countries have different specialisations when it comes to technology and different countries, I think, have um, greater competitive advantages in certain sectors of of tech. If I look at Australia, for example, there are some key areas where we have a strong competitive advantage than others. FinTech is one of them, and I think globally we are seen as a country that has a strong system of finance, solid banking systems, um, solid rule of law, and therefore Financial services technologies that emerge out of Australia are highly regarded, and then can find themselves transitioning into Asia Pack and from there, the globe. So, you know, I don't think I don't think that's necessarily a surprise.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: things like ag tech and food tech and health tech. Again, we are, as you said, born off the born off the sheep's back. But what that means is that we understand the agricultural, the food production process. Um, better than many of our, for example, Asian counterparts who simply don't have the land mass to become experts in those kinds of spaces. And therefore, technologists that are working in things like food um, and agriculture are well-placed to do that and to test that. Yeah, right?
0: So yeah. Now, I, think- I, I want to get your thoughts though on rounds, right? So, obviously, we talk about different sectors. A lot of startups have an A round, B round, C round. Some are at an F round, and, and the hope was to go to an IPO. It's not exactly great out there for IPOs at the moment. Um, would you rather be doing an A round or an F round right now?
1: Um, I would I, – I, I really don't think it matters. I think it depends on the company. It really depends on the company. And I think um, the, you know, A rounds – Give you the potential for a higher potential growth uplift right so as an investor i think i'm much more interested in the early stage stuff than i am in something that's seconds away from going to an ipo yes liquidity is closer but i mean the, the way um, i like to think about the space is i'm in it for the long haul i want to be part of innovation ideas mm-hmm. that are relatively validated in their early stages but have still exponential growth uplift and so you know i, I like that early stage space yeah.
0: All right, Steve, you do a great job. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Aaron. And that is a program for now. For more you can head to tickenews.co. I'll see you soon.